We're going to um, start reading in verse, um, sorry, I was just watching James walking sullenly along there, wondering where the end of the row was, whether he was ever going to get a seat, so <laughs> it was funny. No, James, uh, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. Praying always with all prayer and supplication of the Spirit and watching there unto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly and to make known the mystery of the gospel, which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. But that ye also may know my affairs and how I do, Tychicus, and beloved brother, the faithful minister in the Lord, shall make known to you all things whom I have sent unto you for the same purpose, that you might know our affairs, and that he might comfort your hearts. Peace be to the brethren, and love with faith, from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with you all, uh, sorry, grace be with all them that love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity. Amen. Let's pray. Gracious Father, we thank you for your word this night, and we do pray that, Lord, you would guide now as we take time to open up its pages. Lord, in these final verses of this book, we pray that we would glean uh, what you have for us, and that, Father, you would guide tonight as we study your word. Lord, we thank you for your word. We pray that tonight, Father God, your word would be open unto us in a way that, Lord, we uh, get a blessing from it. Lord, I do pray that you give me wisdom from on high, that even though we might be talking about things that we know, that, Lord God, we might be challenged and blessed and encouraged by its truth. Lord, above all, tonight we would exalt your holy name. Lord, each and every one of us would receive from you that which you'd have for us, and that, Lord, we would leave uh, tonight rejoicing, having known that we've been in your presence and that we've received your word from you to your glory. Give me wisdom, I pray, as I preach, and guide our town, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We've been challenged here in Ephesians chapter 6 that we are to stand against the wiles of the devil. And we've seen the importance of putting on the Christian armor if you and I are going to stand against the wiles of the devil. We're challenged to put on the belt of truth or the girdle of truth that we know what we believe that we have on the breastplate of righteousness, that we live what we believe, that we put on the combat boots of the gospel to share what we believe, that we take the shield of faith to defend what we believe, we take the helmet of salvation, that we live in hope because of what we believe, so that we're able to wield the sword of the Spirit and defeat the enemy. But there is one more thing, important thing required if we're going to be successful in the battle. You know, no soldier can wear the armor or wield the sword unless he has the physical strength to do so. It's not possible to go into battle as a, as a rookie wearing all the armor and wielding the sword unless you've been to the gymnasium, so to speak, and done a workout and bulked up a bit and able then to go into battle because you're fit and healthy for the task. And so likewise, if we're to wear the Christian armor, if we're to wield the sword of the Spirit, then we need spiritual strength to do so, 
And we need to go, if you like, to the spiritual gymnasium to get some spiritual muscle to enable us to wear the armor and wield the sword. And the final verse of Ephesians chapter 6 explain that prayer is the energy that enables the Christian soldiers to wear the armor and wield the sword. We cannot fight the battle in our own power. No matter how strong and how talented we may think we are, prayer is the key to the victory. Prayer is the power for victory. You know, many Christians can trace a defeated life to prayerlessness. And Paul here in the closing verse of Ephesians chapter 6 explains to you and I the importance of prayer by repeating the word all four times in these last few verses. He says that we should pray on all occasions with all kinds of prayer and request supplications, pray always, and finally, for all the saints. So note with me then, if we are to be enabled to wear the armor and wield the sword, firstly, we are to pray on all occasions. Verse 18, he says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Praying always. You know, there's hardly anybody anywhere, whether they're a Christian or not, who does not pray in difficulty. You know, even so-called atheists sometimes will find themselves breaking down and praying if things get bad enough. But what is sad is that prayer, the prayer life of a genuine Christian is often not much better than that of desperate, unsaved people. You know, they will pray in church, sort of. They will often return thanks before plunging into a meal. But the times they really pray, if they do really pray, are the times when things are not going so well. When things go bad for them, when they find themselves in some difficulty or other, that's when Christians will often spend their time in prayer. It's neglected at other times, but at times of difficulty, they're sent to their knees to pray. Now, it's not wrong to pray in difficult situations. In fact, God sometimes even sends the difficult situations our way to make us pray. So don't get me wrong. I'm not saying you shouldn't pray when things are tough. You should. But you know, the Bible says you and I are supposed to pray always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. We're supposed to do it on all occasions. The word always here means all situations of life. You know, if we're happy, you and I should express that happiness in thanksgiving to God via prayer. If you and I are despondent, we should pray about that thing that makes us despondent or discouraged. We should pray when we're with our friends. We should pray when we're uh, dealing with our enemies. There is no situation in life where prayer should be absent. Prayer should be the very natural part of our life. We should pray every day. We should pray in the way. We should pray when we go to bed. We should pray when we get up. We should pray. We should pray always. There should be no time in your life and my life where prayer is not an integral part of what we do. It shouldn't just be confined to times of distress. 
Now, the context here for prayer, of course, is in connection with the Christian armor. Because that's the context we've been talking about, haven't we? We've been talking right through to verse 17. And take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always. So the connection is back with the armor, praying always. In the hymn, Stand Up, Stand Up for Jesus, one line in a verse goes, Put on the gospel armor, each piece put on with prayer. And maybe Paul had a similar thought in mind as he ends his discussion about the Christian armor here with a call to prayerfulness. You know, Paul calls for you and I to put on the girdle of truth, let's be buckled around our waist. And the only thing that's going to keep it belted in place is prayer. You know, heresies will do their work to pull us away from God's truth. False doctrine will do its best to pull us away from God's truth. And you and I are always susceptible to the devil's subtle doubts that he sends our way and sends our way the, the, the pull for you and I to walk away from truth. And you and I must ask God to keep us girded with truth constantly. We need to spend time in prayer seeking God's face that God might enable you and I to stand firm in the faith. We're called to put on the breastplate of righteousness that to, you and I are to live godly lives. And yet you and I are prone to sin. You and I are prone to fall away from God's righteousness. And unless God upholds us, you and I will stumble and fall. And prayer will keep you and I close to God. Prayer will keep you and I from sinning. If we're to go forth with the gospel of peace, then it's prayer that will keep us ready. Otherwise, you and I will be immersed in the concerns of other things of life, and you and I will miss the opportunities to proclaim the gospel. How many times do you and I find ourselves so engrossed in what we're doing that an opportunity for the gospel may arise, and it's not till later that you and I realize we missed it? And it's only in a conscious effort to pray, and only as you and I pray and ask God to give us some soul this day to whom we can share the gospel, and we're aware of that, that you and I will indeed be aware of it when the opportunity arises. And this is true for the remaining parts of the armor. We will not show forth faith in God and in trials unless we're standing in the power of God, which is prayer. We'll not properly be protected by the helmet of salvation unless we're spending time in prayer. We won't have the hope that we need to have in our salvation. Nor will we be effective to use the word of God, our sword, the sword of the Spirit, if we don't pray. Notice what he says. He says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. As the Spirit empowers you and I to use the sword, because it's his Spirit, he empowers us as you and I pray. It's in all situations, on all occasions, that we are to be prayer warriors, beloved. If you and I want to be effective in this Christian warfare, if you and I want to be effective in the battle, then you and I must pray on all occasions. It ought to be, needs to become a, a, an integral part of our lives. 
Because the only way that you and I ensure that we're enabled to wield, to wear the armor and wield the sword is as you and I spend time in prayer. Secondly, if we're going to wear the armor and wield the sword, we need to pray with all kinds of prayer. He says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. That is, with all kinds of prayers and supplications or requests. It seems to be, it seems as if Paul is repeating himself. Aren't prayers requests? I mean, to say, with all prayer and all requests, aren't they the same? Aren't all prayers requests? Well, it's true. Prayer does include requests, but requests do not exhaust all kinds of prayer. See, the idea is that you and I are to pray prayers of all different kinds, prayer upon prayer. We should use every kind of prayer we can think of when we pray. Or to put it this way, group prayer, individual prayer, silent prayer, walking prayer, kneeling prayer, eloquent prayer, groaning prayer, constant prayer, fervent prayer. Just pray, he says. And this is how we effectively use the armor, beloved. As you and I pray in all different kinds of prayer. You know, there are many kinds of prayer that we should know about and use effectively. There's adoration. Go with me to Matthew chapter 6, please. Matthew chapter 6. And verse 9. Remember, the disciples have come and they've asked the Lord, teach us to pray. In verse 9, the Lord says this, And after this manner, therefore, pray ye, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Adoration. You know, this is the place to begin when we pray. You know, we're guilty, aren't we, at times of praying, dear Lord, give, give, give. But we don't take the time to adore him. Prayers are, are never worth much unless it begins with praise. You know, if we don't let our minds be stretched by the thought of who it is that we're praying to, you and I really will not pray effectively. We'll never really be aware of God's presence and we'll never really therefore be aware of who it is we're praying to. We won't pray effectively. You know, as you and I come before the throne of grace and the first thing we do is adore him, that you and I get, a, get a, an imagery of, of, the, of the majesty, get an imagery of the glory get an image of, of who God really is, and as you and I then come before him and offer our petitions before him, it has an impact upon our praying. Because we're well aware of what God, who God is and the God we serve, so nothing is impossible for him. And we know that God wants what's best for us. We know who God is in relation to us. We know that he's our, 
Savior. He's our God. We know just exactly when we come before his throne of grace that we come there boldly through the blood of Jesus Christ and we adore him as our Father. And as we come and we say, Abba, Father, and we bow down before him, that adoration helps you and I to uh, come and pray effectively. You see, prayer will just be a little ritual if it doesn't include adoration. And we are apt, aren't we, to get into ritualistic praying. It's so easy, you know, I, you know uh, it's so easy when you're, when you're in the, in the church and particularly when you're in the pulpit, you know, you pray. If you're not thinking about particularly what you're praying, it's so easy to repeat the same things. You know, I, I, I try to endeavor to think about what I'm saying when I'm praying in church, not just saying words, but actually thinking about what I'm saying in those words. An adoration of Almighty God helps us get to the place where we're not offering up little petty uh, uh, ditties, but we're actually offering up genuine prayer to Almighty God. That you and I are not going through the ritual of prayer, but you and I are actually going into adoration of an Almighty God and we're bowing before Him and offering up our petitions to Him because of who He is. Prayer's got to start with adoration. And then there must be confession. 1 John 1 9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This is an important kind of prayer. Having come into the presence of a holy God, it ought to cause you and I, first and foremost, to be crushed before him in, in reverence, realizing that we're sinners. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Forgive us our trespasses. Asking God to forgive. And once you've been in, in adoration of him, then you and I begin to realize just how far short we fall of his glory. And it moves us to adore him. Even more, and it moves us to confess our sins. And if we don't confess our sins, then you and I will have no strength to wear the armor and wield the sword. Then there's thanksgiving. Go to Philippians chapter 4, please. Philippians chapter 4. And verse 6. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Thanksgiving. You know, we're always ready to ask God for things, aren't we? In fact, if we're honest, the bulk of our prayers usually are asking God for something. But you know, so often we're like the nine lepers. Remember, ten lepers were healed by Christ. And nine of them didn't bother going back and saying thank you. Only one did. So often we're like the nine lepers. We often forget to thank God for what he has already done for us. We forget to thank him for our salvation. We forget to thank him for uh, the way he's answered our prayers in the past. And indeed, when we offer up the petitions, we fail to thank him when we go next time to pray for what he's already done for us. And yet surely we ought to give thanks unto God. We ought to be appreciative of what God does. God does amazing things from little things for us 
big things for us. That's amazing, you know, we, we often forget about this, you know, but we, we could be driving around a car park and looking for a car park and we say, Lord, we need a car park. And he gives us a car park, but how often do we thank him for it? We prayed for it and then there's a car park and we take it and we get out of the car and we go to our business and we forget to say thank you, Lord. Well, like the story I heard about the man who was working on a roof and he slipped and he was sliding down the roof and he cried out to God and he said, Lord, help me. And about that moment, his belt caught on a nail that was sticking out of the roof and he caught and he said, don't worry, Lord, I got caught on a, I got caught on a nail. Isn't that what we're like so often? We pray for God's help, something happens and we don't acknowledge it was God that did it. Surely we should thank him. And finally, we should make requests or supplications to God, as it says here in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. This is how we go forth with the power of the battle. We go forth with, with these requests. This is, the, this is now as we advance. We come now to the time of requesting things of the Lord. One author put it this way, our prayer life will be poor if, it, if this is all we do. That's if we make requests supplications. But if uh, but it will also be less than it can be if we do not lay our needs before God. Jesus taught us in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 11 in that Lord's Prayer. He said, give us this day our daily bread. He taught us to ask for things. James tells us we have not because we ask not. So don't get me wrong. There is a place for, prayer, for you and I when we pray to offer up our requests to God. But when Paul talks about praying always with all prayer and supplication, he's not saying just make your request known. He's saying pray with all kinds of prayer as well as requests. Make sure there is adoration. Make sure there is confession. Make sure there is thanksgiving as well as your requests. We need to pray on all occasions with all kinds of prayer because there's power in prayer, beloved. Power to wear the armor. Power to wield the sword. And you and I cannot go forth into this battle daily without the power of prayer. Thirdly, if we are to be able to wear the armor and wield the sword, we're told to pray always. Now you say, you've already looked at that word. Yes, but I want to look at it again. Praying always with all prayer and supplication of the Spirit so the third all is embedded in the word always. It's not just that you and I should pray on all occasions or in all situations and with all kinds of prayer and supplications, but we are also to pray always. That is, at all times of the day and even at the night if necessary. The apostle here is trying to emphasize to you and I the importance of of this matter of prayer. That you and I are to pray in every circumstance that we find ourselves. That you and I are to use all types of prayer when we pray and not just asking for things. And you and I are to do it always, at all times of the day and the night, if need be. 
Now, he's not suggesting that we do nothing else but pray. Because if that was the case, you and I would all go and join a monastery somewhere and do that all day long and all night long with nothing else to worry us. That's not what he's saying. He understands that we have things to do. I mean, the Bible is clear that if a man will not work, neither should he eat. So it's clear that there are other responsibilities that you and I have. You and I are supposed to do the work of evangelists. You and I are supposed to be witnesses for him and so on. So there is responsibility in life. So he's not saying that you and I ought to pray and do nothing else. But what he means is that prayer is to be a natural and consistent part of our lives. It's not to be relegated just to a special seasons of prayer or special days of prayer. It's not to be relegated just to Wednesday nights that we pray. Or relegated to Sunday mornings we pray. Or relegated to every morning we pray. You and I are supposed to be in a constant state of prayer. As we advance in the battle... You and I need to be people of prayer. You see, prayer is our responsibility. Prayer is our obligation. Prayer is God's expectation upon us. You and I are to have the lines of communication open with Almighty God. You know, soldiers who find themselves on the front lines, the communication lines are cut with the, with the, with the base, with the, with the headquarters, find it very difficult to battle the war because they don't know uh, the strategy, they don't know the intelligence, they don't know what's going on. They have no idea what's expected of them. There has to be open lines of communication back to headquarters in order for there to be an advance in the battle. And believers are the same. You and I cannot battle. You and I cannot go forth in this war if you and I are not in constant communication with headquarters. And so during the day, when you pray, remember Nehemiah? You know, Nehemiah has been weeping over his city, the city of Jerusalem. It's in ruins. He's heard reports back and he's been crying. And he goes up before the king and he's not been sad in the presence of the king's cupbearer as the king's cupbearer before in the presence of the king. And the king asks him why he's sad. And what does Nehemiah do? Nehemiah says, and I prayed and spoke. Now, he didn't get down his knees and spend the next half an hour in prayer or wait till the next morning to pray. He simply said, Lord, give me wisdom, and God gave him wisdom to say the right words there and then. That's what we mean by always in prayer. That you and I are living our lives in such a relationship to God that the lines of communication are open, that you and I are in constant communication with headquarters, that during the day, when you and I have a spare moment, we pray. This means that you and I pray, prayer, Always, in all situations, with all kinds of prayers and requests. As 1 Thessalonians 5, 17 tells, we pray without ceasing. But you know, when we're in the car and nothing else is going on, we pray. When we're doing a job and it doesn't take much mental capacity to think about it, we pray. When we're lying in, in the bed at night, we pray. When we're lying in the bed in the morning, we pray. When we... Uh, out of the boat, when we've got a spare moment and we're not doing anything else, we pray. Prayer is a constant part of our lives. We're always praying. Regardless of what Satan says to us, we need to be people of prayer. 
We need to bathe our life in prayer, bathe our family, our friends, our church, our every concern in prayer. So we might see how God will honor our prayers, provide blessings and give us the victory. We're to pray always. We would pray on all occasions with all types of prayer at all times of the day. You and I are to be people of prayer. And if we'd have been able to wear the armor and wield the sword, we must pray. And so fourthly, we are to pray for all saints. As we says in verse 18, praying always with all prayer and supplications and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Yeah, think about it for a moment. I thought about this this week. You know, a soldier isn't only concerned for his or her well-being. When you're in, I've never been to war, but, uh, you know, you've heard stories about this, that in the battle, there's a genuine feeling of, of camaraderie, of friendship, that there is a, there's a, there's a, a feeling, a need to, or an instinct to protect in the midst of the battle, the person next to you. Because you really want all that support. If you're going to win the battle, you want as many of your compatriots to be alive at the end of that battle as possible. You don't want to be the only one standing. And so there's a genuine concern for your mates. And the Australian digger is known for that, as being about mateship and how, uh, how they care for their mates and, uh, uh, and care for the other soldiers, fellow soldiers. And that's the idea here. That in this spiritual warfare, that you and I indeed are to pray on all occasions, that you and I are to pray uh, with all kinds of prayer, and you and I are to pray at all times of the day, but you and I are also to consider the rest of the troops. And pray for them. Spiritually, to pray on their behalf. <clears throat> as they pray on our behalf. Now what he says in verse 18. He says, I'm watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication of all saints. He uses the word watching. The word watching is keeping alert. Keeping an eye on the rest of the troops keeping an eye on fellow believers, keeping an eye on them to see if they're in need, see if they need some help, see if they need some assistance. Has somebody fallen down in the battle and needs some, uh, needs a medic or whatever it might be spiritually, uh, somebody over here needs some assistance in the, in the battle and we're praying for them. Watching, being vigilant, not just blindly going through life and, not, uh, not seeing other people, but seeing other believers, seeing their needs and genuinely be concerned for them and praying for them. If we individually and we together are going to defeat the enemy, we need to be vigilant. Not only because of the enemy, but for each other. And we're to keep on praying. Notice what he says, he says, watchfulness, and watching thereunto, with all perseverance. The word perseverance means stick to it. Don't quit. 
pray for something and persevere in that prayer. Don't give up. Your perseverance in prayer does not mean that we're trying to twist God's arm, but rather that we are deeply concerned or burdened over a matter, so much so that you and I cannot rest until we get God's answer. Truth is, many of us quit praying before God gives the victory, before God gives the answer. But we're to keep praying until God gives the answer or until God gives the victory. We're to be praying in a very watchful way, persevering in that prayer until God answers. And we're to keep praying and making these requests as it says, with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. The watching, the perseverance is, goes with the supplication for all saints. You and I are to offer up requests on behalf of other saints. Now think about that. That's what he says. With all perseverance and supplication for all saints. You and I are supposed to be praying for every saint. I mean, that's overwhelming, isn't it? I mean, think about that. Well, it's obvious that we can't pray for every Christian by name, partly because we don't know many of them by name. I mean, how many of you and I know people by name in Russia? How many of you and I know people by name in China, Indonesia? or other countries around the world, Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia has, a, has a, a, somewhere in the vicinity of 90% Islamic population, and there's 2% evangelical Christians living in Saudi Arabia. Do you think they need our prayers? I think so. Uh, fortunately, the, the government of Saudi Arabia is tolerant of other religions, even though they're 90% Islamic, which is an amazing stat. But you know, there's plenty of countries in the world whereby Christians are under persecution. Do they think they need our prayers? I think so. You see, you and I can pray generally for believers we don't know, can't we? Um, every uh, every Monday and Tuesday, I attend a meeting in America via um, a go-to-meeting. So we have a live meeting. I attend their staff meetings Monday and Tuesday at Positive Action Christ. And this year, they have uh, they found a, a thing called a prayer calendar. And it lists every country of the world and gives a day to that country. And every day, we pray for a country of the world. And uh, so if anybody wants that, I'll let you have it. Uh, but it is interesting because it actually gives the stats of how many evangelical Christians live in that country, and it tells you about the population of that country, tells you some of the prayer needs of that country, and, uh, and gives you opportunity to pray for those countries even though you don't know anybody in that country. And it's a worthwhile endeavor. Isn't that what Paul tells you? Pray for all Christians, all believers, all saints. Do they need our prayers? They do. We've got to pray for them. 
Now, to illustrate, and of course, then what we can do is we can pray specifically for those we do know. Pray generally for those we don't know and pray specifically for those we do know. And to illustrate this, Paul then asked for prayer for him. Look in verse 19. And for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mysteries of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. He uses himself as an example now of what you're to pray for. For these other believers. He says, Pray for me that utterance may be given to me. After bringing up the idea that the spiritual warfare can be waged on behalf of others through prayer, Paul asks his readers to pray for him. And his request is that he might fight the fight well. Now, think about it. Paul's in prison right now. You and I can imagine asking for many things, couldn't you? I mean, if you were in a Roman prison, which aren't like 21st century jails, we're talking about a Roman prison, which has been filthy and miserable and damp and, and, and rats everywhere. It wouldn't have been a pleasant place. You know, many a believer in that situation would have prayed what? Lord, deliver me. Lord, provide me food. Lord, provide this. Pray for me that God will give me food. Pray for me that God will take care of me. Pray for me. What does Paul pray for? Pray that I might have the utterance, the power to speak. He says, while you're praying, when you're praying for all saints, then let me tell you, pray for me that I might have the power to utter what needs to be spoken, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. His heart and his mind were fixed on his responsibility as an ambassador of the gospel. And when Paul says, pray for me, he doesn't say, pray for my safety. He doesn't pray for my deliverance. He says, pray that I might have the ability to proclaim the word of God in power. You know, the idea behind utterance is clear speaking. He says, pray that I'll have the right words to say. And then he adds to it boldly in verse 18 and 19, in verse 19 and 20. He says, that I may open my mouth boldly. And in verse 19, that I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Pray for me that I have the words to say, that I have the boldness to say them, and I'll say them in the right way. You know, Paul's concern was not for him. He was concerned about the jailers. He was concerned about the other prisoners. The Lord may have taken him out of the streets of Asia Minor and put him in a prison, but Paul saw this now as his new mission field. You see, he didn't see himself as the prisoner. He saw everybody else as captives. That God had brought him a captive audience that he was able to preach to, and they were going nowhere. The jailers weren't going anywhere. They weren't allowed to. The prisoners weren't going anywhere. They were locked up. So when Paul ends up in a prison, Paul thinks to himself, well, praise God, I've got a captive audience. I get to preach to them. And that's what Paul's thinking here. 
Paul asked for prayer that he might proclaim the gospel both clearly and fearlessly. Love is easy for us to neglect to pray for others. But we need to pray for Christians around the world that they would indeed have boldness. We need to pray for our missionaries on a regular basis, praying that God would give them boldness. You need to pray for the pastors here, that God will give us boldness and wisdom and the words to say. We need to pray for each other. As we go about our daily business, that God will give us wisdom and boldness and give us the words to speak clearly that we might share the gospel for there's a lost and dying world out there. Fraser Young's coming to be with us this weekend. And beloved, this week, you and I as believers ought to take every moment we have to pray for Friday, Saturday and Sunday that God would turn the hearts of the unsaved parents that they would come and that as they come that God would break their resolve and they would hear the gospel and they'd be gloriously saved and not just walk away from church tonight and forget about it till Friday. Beloved, those parents that come are precious souls who need the Saviour. We need to spend moment by moment we have opportunity this week praying for them. On Wednesday night when we come together, we need to take time to pray for them. Because that's what Paul says. And we need to pray for Fraser. That God would give him utterance. That he may open his mouth boldly. That he may make known the mystery of the gospel that he may speak boldly as he ought to speak. We need to pray for Fraser that God would give him holy boldness to preach the word of God. And I challenge you folks this week, take every opportunity you have to pray for Fraser. Uphold him in prayer. He's in the trenches with us. And on Friday night, he's about to make an attack. He's about to leave the trenches and assault the enemy. And beloved, he needs our support. He needs us to pray for him. And he needs to pray for him Saturday night and Sunday morning. We need to uphold him in prayer so that as he goes forth in the battle and he's out there proclaiming the gospel, he knows that behind him are the rest of the troops who are supporting him and upholding him in prayer and even praying while he's preaching. that he might have wisdom and clarity and boldness to proclaim the word of God. We can be guilty of praying for comfort and safety. We should make sure that we pray for effectiveness in our witness and ministry. Explain why he needs prayer. He goes on to say in verse 19, Verse 20, this is a great statement. He says, for which I'm an ambassador in bonds. I'm in, I'm in, for the gospel. I'm in prison because I've already been boldly preaching the gospel. And I want you to pray for me now because I'm an ambassador in bonds. He's in prison and he wanted boldness to preach. Now, of course, the ancient Greek word for chains meant that Paul was in chains. He was shackled to the wall. But the interesting thing is this word chains here in verse 20, 
the word bonds there, chains, could also be, it can also be used for a gold adornment worn around the neck or the wrist of a wealthy and powerful. On special occasions, ambassadors wore such chains to show the riches, the power, and the dignity of the government they represented. Paul considers his prison chains to a glorious adornment of his ambassadorship. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? He says, I, these chains are testimony to the fact that I'm the ambassador of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. I'm in prison for my boldness to proclaim, please pray that I'll have boldness to do justice to my position. I'm an ambassador of God in chains. I'm wearing the adornment of the office of a preacher. He desired to be faithful and knew that the power to be effective witness and to win the battle comes through prayer. So he says, pray for me. Beloved, it's true for all of us. Prayer will give us the victory as we go about our tasks. We try to live for Jesus and what we need is others to pray for us. And Pastor Ken and myself need you to pray for us daily. Prayers we prepare each week that God will give us wisdom. Pray for us. Pray for one another. Pray for our missionaries. Pray for believers around the world. We need to take time to pray. We need to pray on all occasions. We need to pray in all kinds of prayer. We need to pray always, at all times. And we need to pray for all saints. Through prayer, we will be empowered to be effective ambassadors and witnesses for Christ. The devil will attack through evil influence, through false teaching, through persecution. But there's a need for us to pray one for another. There's a saying that goes, the devil trembles when he sees the weakest Christian on his knees. Now that's so true. Because praying, the praying Christian is calling upon the inexhaustible and irresistible power of God. There is power in prayer. It's through prayer that spiritual strength and the armor of God go to work. Often we just don't pray because we're simply overconfident in our own abilities. But prayer is the necessary for power. So we need to pray expectantly, believing and expecting God to answer, and remember to pray one for another. We need to remember that prayer is the means by which we are enabled to wear the armor and wield the sword of the Spirit and win the victory. Beloved, let's make prayer a priority in our lives, for without it, we're powerless. Let's pray. Father, we thank you tonight for your word. We thank you for the challenge here about prayer. And Lord, we do pray that you would Help us to be effective in our prayer life. Help us, Father God, to remember to adore you for who you are. Help us to remember to confess our sins, to give thanks unto you for all that you do for us, and to pray for all saints that we might have boldness to clearly proclaim your word in this lost and dying world. 
Father, we wish to uphold Fraser Young this day and this week as he prepares, Father God, to engage in the battle. Father, you would give him utterance to speak boldly, Father God, of the gospel of Christ on Friday night and Saturday and Sunday. And Lord, may the unsaved come along and may their hearts be prepared to receive your word. And may, Father, they hear your word boldly proclaimed by your servant who has been upholded in prayer by his brethren. Father, help us to pray this week. Help us remember to pray this week. And may, Father God, you empower us to your glory and may souls be saved as we seek to serve you. Bless now we pray as we close with the hymn. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing.